0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Baum Baum. Baum. Um, you know, something was really sweet. Uh I got a uh a, a message from Nico, who's a um he's a listener, he's mm-hmm. a patron. And um you can join Patreon, patreon.com slash inside of you. And uh amazing kids, family, Zach. Love that kid. But he he said he was watching uh, America's Got Talent. And uh so I checked this clip out. And of course, you know Simon Callow got emotional. I, I got a little emotional watching it. But this girl who you know, faced a lot of adversity, she sang the song and it was beautiful. But more importantly, she said something after the song. She said something that was so profound and beyond her years that I had to rewind it and I had to write it down. I had to write this shit down. Mm-hmm. And it was this. She said, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. That struck a chord, man. And I just thought, isn't that what we're always waiting for? We're waiting for, well, once things get a little easier, once life isn't hard, then I'll be able to be happy. I'll be able to get my shit together. Get your. It's It's time now to be happy even while things are hard, even while things are... So, I, you know, it goes back to you, me, it goes back to everybody listening. I just, fuck, man, talk about a mental health moment. That was a, I, I, I teared up. I, I had a little cry there. What, what was her talent? What did she was listen? a singer. Oh. But I just thought about that. I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta wait till my anxiety is, is, is on track. I gotta wait till everything is right before, you know, then I, then I'll feel happy. Um, and it's kind of bullshit. It's like, find ways to be happy now through it all. Mm-hmm. It just hit me. I don't know. Does it not hit you?
1: No, of course it does, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not that your issues, my issues aren't important and whatever, but in the scheme of things, I guess in life, it's just, you know, you know I won't dwell on it too much. But you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. And I thought that was really neat. So anyway, welcome to the show. I hope you're having a great week. Um, great guest this week. Before uh, I get into the guest. The lovely Keegan Allen. Um, If you're here for Keegan, if you're here for uh, just enjoyment, a good interview, please subscribe. Ryan, tell them where they could scribe and keep supporting the podcast.
1: Oh, uh, you can subscribe. The podcast is everywhere. You can find the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, and you can uh, find us on YouTube. You can watch it. Uh, YouTube.com slash Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum.
0: Yes. And what are bam, the bam, handles bam, 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 for bam. Inside of You? If you want uh, to
1: follow us? You can follow at Inside of You Pod on Twitter and at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook.
0: That's right. It's very easy. And we really love that. If you write a review, we love you even more. Um, I have to say, if you go to uh, hello at inside of you podcast and leave messages, it's very hard because they get really stacked up with messages and it takes me a couple of months to go through them and sort through them. And I respond sometimes the the big, long winded emails I kind of absorb and I don't really respond to because it's sometimes too hard. But like short one line, two lines, those are easy to respond to. And uh, but some people feel like they need to tell me a story and, and so be it. But I, it's it's sometimes I, I it's hard for me to get to it. And. Uh, you know, just don't expect me to get to it or, or or not. Don't expect me to have a response to it. Always. Um, the inside of your store, we got some new stuff. We got these awesome uh, journals. I thought that was very appropriate for the podcast that, you know, it's a journal to write your life in all your shit that's going on in your life. And, uh, you know, journal. I journal every day. And so, the little leather journal books, uh, you can get them autographed or you can get them non autographed. There's uh, also um, masks, new Inside of You masks, and those are going pretty fast. So, are the journals. So, go to the Inside You online store. And uh, in fact, use this code Summer Rosie 10 for 10% off at the store Summer Rosie 10. And in fact, you know, if you want Sunspin stuff from the band, um, we've got tons of Sunspin stuff. Go to sunspin.com. Um, and you can use the code SUNSPINSUMMER10, and that's going to be uh, 10% off everything in the Sunspin store. Uh, the East store has a bunch of other stuff too, uh, Lex Funko Pops and Smallville Lunchboxes and all that shit. I'm going to read a letter at the end from a fan. thought it was kind of touching. It was one of those letters that I actually read and printed out, but... Uh, and uh, don't forget to join Patreon. Uh, I am on it. Uh, if you love the podcast, if you're enjoying it, you want to get back to the podcast a little more or something, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash inside of you. I've got a lot of patrons and there's tiers for, uh, you, you know, I send merch to certain um, tiers uh, with little notes every couple months. And um, you get to ask guest questions and you get to do a and a with me. So it's you get to ask me questions on my Q&A segment, which Ryan was a part of last month. Do you remember that?
1: I do remember that.
0: Yeah, I like that. That was easy. You just asked me questions. And You,
1: yeah, just you were great at it. I can read. You can read. And if anyone had any doubts, join Patreon and go watch that video. <laughs>
0: I, today's guest, interesting guy. Um, we talk about Pretty Little Liars. We talked about art, painting. Photography. Photography. This guy is world class. Just a, a great guy. He's on the show Walker. He's been in tons of stuff. And uh, we had a great conversation. I really think you're going to enjoy it. So, why don't we just get right into Keegan Allen? It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Oh God! You know, How I, you doing, man? I'm, I'm good, man. You know, look, it's Jared Padalecki, your buddy on Walker. He was like, you got to get Keegan on the show. That's one of the first things he said. <laughs> he must like you because I don't think he'd say that. You guys get along pretty well, huh?
2: I I adore him. I think he's I think he's really a special guy for sure. And uh, and it's also also really cool too because I. I've, 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 uh, I watched Smallville when I was, when I was younger and I really think honestly, you're the best, uh, Lex Luthor. Come on. No, dude, you, you actually brought grounded reality to that character. I feel like every other actor that played Lex Luthor was who, okay. So let's go through who played Lex, oh, Lex God, Luthor.
0: Oh God, you put me on the Gene spot Gene Hackman,
2: now. right? So,
0: yeah. Gene Hackman, but he, you know, he played it like in a crazy fun way. He's, he's always my favorite, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Okay. Gene Hackman.
2: So here's the thing. I, you leaned into a grounded reality gene hackman played it up it was campy he did it it was interesting but you were grounded you uh, you felt i felt for your character i remember being a child and watching that show and being like oh wow lex luther man just well you know I, right there
0: thank you but i, I have to and give then, then, i was gonna say I, I give props to i mean the whole production i've talked about it but like you know from the writing to the director of photography to the special effects to everything that it just it just turned into a, a really great show but um thank you I mean uh you know you always do your best and you never know how fans are going to react and I, I wasn't a big Superman fan growing up so but hearing that from someone who watched the show and like you know I just, I just really appreciate that that's nice well
2: you you rose above all of the other actors that try that attempted to I mean obviously outside of the animated versions of this character I mean, you brought you brought a real humanity to the character. I felt like you know Kevin Spacey was a little nuts. Uh, <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg's like you know he's fine, but you. I, I, every time I think Lex <laughs> Luthor, I think of you, and I think of you pushing your father off the bat of the building. It's good, man.
0: Ah, uh, we had some fun. John Glover and I, terrific actor. Well, look, you know the great thing. There's there's a the great thing is hearing you say this. It's very kind of you, but it's also it sucks because I can't respond. And like I can't tell you what I think of other because then I sound like a dick, but like no, you I don't, but but no, well, I'm not in terms of like you know other actors i I respect all the actors that have played it, but you know, I think it comes down to you know, preference, I mean personal choice, but also like uh, I don't know, it's it's that's everything's
2: point. subjective. I just wanted to say i I have a reverence for for your work in that and also. I've been you know, enjoying your talks uh, you know, throughout the last however many years that you've been doing the podcast circuit. I loved you on Theo Vaughn. I thought it was very uh, <laughs> fun and controversial. <laughs> he, very interesting.
0: Dude, Theo Vaughn, let me tell you about something. I went on Theo Vaughn's show. I walk in there. It's almost like he – I love Theo, and this isn't knocking him, but it almost was like, you know, I don't know if he was, the, like, you know, being David Letterman. Or what he was doing but i walk in and he's just got a pen and he's writing and he's he's not really paying any attention to me when i walk in at all which I, as an actor you're like what the fuck man give me yeah, some yeah. love here he's like hey man and he's just <laughs> yeah. kind of doing his thing like he's like this really intense interviewer and i'm like oh fuck deal Theo. deal's going uh method for this uh you know for this interview and then of course he's like so tell me about allison mac you know and starts getting into that right away and <laughs> you know i gave oh, no. him yeah and i gave him shit because i'm like hey come back on my podcast man you're hilarious and blah blah he's like yeah i want to man i'm just real busy and you know he's a good guy but i'm like dude you got two million hits off that interview with the whole thing with allison mac in my interview come back on my freaking show so uh but anyway theo theo's one of the, one of the funniest people on the planet honestly he yeah. is He's so unique. Even when you ask other comedians who are, you know, my friend Harlan Williams, you know, the guy from Dumb and Dumber, the guy who's like, you drinking mm-hmm. on some of Grandpa's cough medicine there, buddy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah, Theo Vaughn is really funny, man. I mean, that guy's a freaking character, bud. And he is. He's a, he's, a, he's a funny guy. But look back, we got to put the direction on you, the focus on you now.
2: All right, let's do it.
0: Oh, man, this, this is scary. <laughs> First of all, you have a great name, Keegan Allen. Is that your real name?
2: It's my real name. I know.
0: Why do I get Michael Rosenbaum and you get Keegan Allen?
2: Well, it, uh, look, I, it was almost it was almost a totally different, very Jewish name. I mean, but my dad changed his uh, his last name.
0: What was his last name?
2: I actually don't know because uh, he was very secretive about his last name. So, but I do know that he wanted to have a, a flow and a last name that was very. Uh, easy to say and so and then my name which i found out what it meant from disneyland of all the places <laughs> what not, does it mean? not a very interesting but you know one of those uh you know those like things where you put the quarter in and it generates uh, the name thing right like when i was very young and it's a celtic name that means little fiery one which was an eco booster at the age of six
0: your little fiery one keegan
2: keegan yeah
0: little fiery one I like that. Were your parents uh, pretty cool growing up? I mean, you said Jewish. Did you, were you bar mitzvahed?
2: I was not bar mitzvahed. Um, I was actually, well, I had a choice to uh, kind of my mother's Jewish and my father is, was Catholic and I kind of oscillated between religions growing up. Um, But I, 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 you know, now it's, i'm a bit agnostic but i'm more spiritual i'm more into i'm more into spirituality than the idea of religion now which is which is very comfortable
0: nice and your parents so they didn't really stick religion on you at all they kind of let you go your own way
2: no my parents were extraordinary in that they were both artists so they cared so much about not caring but in a in a really logical way, in a way that let me be free. And they supported my art. They supported when I was down, when I was sad. Uh, they let me be the person that I wanted to be. And um, it was an interesting, you know, experience growing up where I saw all my friends being controlled, very controlled and like held down by their parents' constructs of who they, the parents wanted them to be. And my parents were like, "Look, go do whatever you want to do. If you if you fuck up, it's on you." And, and where uh, was this?
0: Where where did you grow up? I grew up in in Hollywood. You grew up in Hollywood.
2: Yeah, and that's not easy. <laughs> you wrote a book about it. Yeah, I have a photography book called oh, Hollywood for- Stories and Voices from Foreverland okay. that yeah is a love letter to growing up in in Hollywood.
0: Okay, I I saw that book. I know I know what you're talking about now. But it was like it was pictures. So when I heard book, I thought I was thinking something else. But like I saw some of the pictures and everything, I was like, holy crap, this guy does photography and he 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 sings. He's got a song. I mean, and the song's beautiful. That song had to be put it's called Million Miles Away, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. That that, and, that a million miles away. Yeah.
0: And it had to be put in a TV show. You had to get that placed.
2: I, I mean, i here's the thing about all my music. I I am so I'm a hopeless romantic. I love I I love the idea of being in love and I've always felt that way. And I I learned to feel from the movies. I learned to feel from good books and literature growing up and poems and Shakespeare. And there was something really like um, haunting and romantic about writing love songs. And uh, so a lot of any kind of music that has been, you know, aggregated into my life from the outside world it comes through me in like a really like very syrupy it's like spoon feeding ice cream too much (laughs) like I I love music but I feel like I've with I've like held back a lot of music from releasing it because I feel like sometimes it's a bit too much like it's a bit like lame but well you
0: say lame but like if it's coming from the heart they always say whatever you're doing if you have feeling and you mean it that's when it's the best right whether it's acting or whether it's music so if it's coming out in your music, maybe you shouldn't hold back and you should just let it go and go, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm writing. And people either gravitate towards it or, or they won't. So, uh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, and, and growing up, I had like interesting, I had an interesting relationship with music. My parents, you know, they, they introduced me to, you know, music like Bob Dylan and the grateful dead and Van Morrison and the doors, very, very controversial music for a very young person, especially Bob Dylan, which I took to and I just was obsessed with Bob Dylan growing. I was st- very young. Obs- I'm still obsessed to, with him to this day. But um, his music was so interesting to me because, I mean, he absolutely jumpstarted this, the, the era of folk, um, you know, protester music. And yeah. at a time when people's voices needed to be heard he he was creating these beautiful lyrical structure almost like a rap now would be a rap yeah. battle he was doing that and it, to me it was just it was unlike anything i'd ever heard and anything i've ever heard up till now he was you know putting his heart on his sleeve and uh, you know millions of other people's hearts on their on his sleeve. what are you saying so that elliot smith
0: Elliot Got really Smith, obsessed with him
2: growing up. tragic, so, yeah.
0: tragic ending to tragic,
2: tragic, but just made the music just so much deeper. And oh man, even yeah. now, you want to have a sunny day and ruin it, Elliot Smith.
0: Elliot Smith,
2: <laughs> uh, Nick anyway. Dr- Nick
0: Drake does that to me as well. But he's kind of soothing,
2: dude. You know, Nick Drake is another horrifically just that when you listen to his music and you hear that stri- I mean, there's no other musician like Nick Drake. No. Yeah. I mean, you put on any of his albums, I mean, Is it there's a pink, pink moon,
0: pink moon. Yeah.
2: Put on pink moon and it transports you to another, like a dip. It's so cerebral.
0: Yeah. And it's almost timeless. It feels yeah. like it's, you know, you could be listening to something in the seventies, but you could be listening to something in the nineties or now it's just, it just, it, it does, but it transports you into something just, soothing and uh yeah it's it's good music uh but, but I think that you shouldn't be afraid to do that I just came out with an album and you know I'm 48 years old I'm not gonna be a freaking rock star but I love music and I love and I try not to think of lyrics so much as like I have to be so brilliant in these lines and I want people to be you know I want to evoke all these and you just kind of write music and you play it and you sing it and you say what you feel and you, you know, and I I just think that when I listened to that song, I just felt like, yeah, I could tell what you're saying. It's just very, it's, it's, it's how you're feeling. It's just a very, I think that's important though. I think you should continue doing that. I mean, how many, I I mean, I will,
2: I will. It's there's, you know, I, I've, have had this, you walk the line, you know, with, with something. I mean, I like to dip my toe into every thing creatively. Like right now I'm painting. I'm taking a painting class with one of my (sighs) favorite plein air painters that he's, I I reached, reached out to him and I was like, Hey, you know, he's amazing. His name's Jesse Powell. Amazing. Like, uh, like it will blow your mind. He's so talented. And with plein air, what's nuts is, I mean, as an actor, you can, you can, you can understand the objective of a scene. You read a script, you go, okay, who am i what am i trying to say what is the writer trying to say how do i marry that what does the scene warrant what are the notes like all of that is is all it's a topography of thought but when you're painting something compositionally you're creating something that you see it's your perspective same same thing with acting but like what's so mystifying about plein air oil painting is you can just hodgepodge a bunch of paint in an area and up close it's just, it just looks like nothing And then you step back and it's this perfect composition of an an exact perspective and it transports you to that moment. And uh, I've been trying to understand that because it's all just shadows and highlights. That's it. There's no, it's all your perspective. It's the perspective that's being kind of like, it's not being forced. It's like the hand of someone else just like being like, here, let me show you this. It's so remarkable. Yeah. What,
0: what got you into that? See, so for me, I was going through a tough time. I had like a lot of anxiety. I was dealing with a lot of shit and I just said, I need to check out. And I went to Connecticut across the country and I checked in for three weeks at this place. And, um, you know, it was just, I had to get my mind straight and I started doing art and I hate, I hated, sorry, I hated art because I didn't realize it. But as a kid, I was this colorblind kid who, uh, I just, I just never did well in art class. I was the only kid who got like D's or F's in art I had a short attention span I've talked about that but all of a sudden I hate art and even going in high school I'd smell the art you know art class and I'd walk around a different different way because I just wanted to get as far away as I could and was hoping I didn't have to take art class and so they I don't want to say force but they they really told me that it's important to try it just try something uh, you don't have to be great at. And for me, I've always had yeah. to be great at everything. I feel like I have to, I have to prove myself. I have to show everybody how great I am. And and with this, I started art and I then I started doing it with my friends at the house. I'm not good. I'm not even remotely good, but there's something that takes me away that just takes me away from the present or makes me actually more present and not and disconnects me from sort of all these other external things of you know trying too hard and impressing in this and I noticed that that 30 minutes or that hour or whatever it takes it, it's just for me it's it's just being and there's something really yeah. nice about it now is that why you started doing that
2: yeah I mean my mother is a is a painter she does watercolor and that's fascinating to me because it works backwards from oil um you know you're working on your 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 you build on watercolor, whereas, and you build on oil, but it's, it's reversed. You know, you would, you wouldn't be able to, I mean, you could, I mean, technically put, put down a darker color and then paint lighter. But what's, what's interesting is that growing up, both my parents were painters and wow. they did it as like a, uh, you know, my dad would do these sprawling paintings with acrylic and oil all over the place. And my mom's doing watercolor paint. My dad was an actor. So he was constantly doing very thespian things in the house and emoting and, um, you know, it was a very dramatic upbringing cause you know, being around two artists, you, you, know, it's, it's chaos. I mean, it's chaos, but it's, there's something beautiful about the chaos. Um, but getting into painting recently has been therapeutic. I've, I've really, I've noticed that because of all of the, uh, the media and the intensity in the world right now, Um, It's very easy to, like, um, your brain becomes a blender of other people's thoughts and emotions. And, um, you know, it's very easy to slip into this vortex of energy now that never before has it been this easy. Um, I mean, if you want to feel, you know, complete cosmogonic chaos, you can step into any social media realm right now. You can step into anything and find yourself overwhelmed you know so i've been working on like doing meditation uh because i was having panic attacks over nothing i just there was nothing happening i was just having really bad anxiety really bad panic attacks so i've been doing lots of meditation lots of yoga um lots of painting right. playing music listening to music, taking time just to do nothing to swim go on walks how walk much does that distance, help you how much to honestly
0: because you know go back to your childhood you said there was It was a little chaotic. It was dramatic. It was all these things. Do you think, did it, did it, was it in a good way or was it both in a good way and a bad way? Did it create some anxiety? Did you, did you feel stressed? Were there, did you have that teenage angst? You know, that teenage angst.
2: Angst. My first book was all my teenage angst, all of it. (laughs) Life of Beauty was all written. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I was like, I was teen angst for most of my, life until I like hit, I think like 25. And then I was like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta like figure this out. Um, but yeah, I, growing up, I mean, I feel, I feel like everybody has the same story in a different way. And my angst growing up lent itself to now finding the peace to know that it was okay to feel down and sad sometimes. And it's okay to feel down and sad even now. But to to not, linger, to not linger too far into those feelings and understand that they're just thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. and you can be a passenger to those moments. And then like, cause nothing, here's the other thing, Michael, like nothing really matters. Everything is temporary. And that's the greatest awakening that I had was in my like 20, my late 20s. I was like, oh, wow like nothing is forever, like everything's temporary, so like to live in the moment and be present in yourself, it helps, but you know, if you're having anxiety and you're having depression, sometimes you have to go a little bit deeper into why you know so, and
0: what what how did you go deeper
2: i did i have been i've been um I've been really examining uh you know I've had a, a this is a a real amazing blessing to work on a show like Walker and have just such an amazing supportive group of people around and a collaborative environment. And, um, and one where we, uh, we all feel already like a family. So coming to work, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a very, I'm in a very happy place, a very good environment, an environment that promotes creation and um, promotes creativity in a way that, you know, it, it allows me then to focus on my off time on things that make me a better, better person, a better man, a better human. Um, because I feel like, you know, especially now, especially in my life now, I'm, I mean, I'm, a, I'm in my thirties and I'm just starting to understand when my dad would be like, you just wait till you're older and you'll understand. Like I'm <laughs> just now getting to that where I'm yeah. like, I see the crest of the light from that conversation in the distance. And I'm like, Oh, starting to get it, you know?
0: Inside of You is brought to you by Shopify Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business This is an amazing platform I use it on both podcasts It has worked wonders for me It's so amazing how easy it is to navigate If you want to sell products, t-shirts, soap scents whatever, Whatever it is, Ryan, you want to sell This is the way to do it Uh, You could see what your best seller is right there, analytics, uh, how much you're making this month, uh, what products are selling the best. It's really fantastic. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented
1: soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere.
0: all star
1: plus Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way.
0: Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/inside. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/inside now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/inside. Inside. Inside of you is brought to you by Netflix, Battle Creek, Michigan, 1963. Kellogg's and Post, sworn cereal rivals, race to create a pastry that will change the face of breakfast forever. A wildly imaginative tale of ambition. Betrayal, and Menacing Milkmen, sweetened with artificial ingredients. Unfrosted stars Jerry Seinfeld in his directorial debut. It features a supporting cast of comedy greats, including Melissa McCarthy, Jim Gaffigan, Hugh Grant, Amy Schumer, Max Greenfield, Christian Slater, Sarah Cooper, Bill Burr, and many more. Friday, May 3rd, only on Netflix. You know, it's very seldom, it's rare that, you know, uh, a man, a young guy like yourself has published books and music and been on hit TV shows and, um, you know, paints and is, is, is learning about himself and is more comfortable with himself at such a young age, especially born, you know, growing up in Hollywood, it seems to me. That if anything, I, I should be talking to some guy who's uh, just getting off uh, coke binge. Mm. Uh, well, no, it's interesting. But, well,
2: you, but- no, no, no. I understand what you're saying. I, I get it. And <clears throat> to some extent, I mean, I feel like I feel like I've I've lived I've lived you know at the, at some point I've lived a version of that life, and um, it didn't work for me. You know what I mean? It didn't serve me. And uh, I have a lot of friends that have. Have gone down a, a darker path and thus never returned. And uh, I, I've seen it, you know what I mean? And I've had, I've had it very close to me. So I feel like in some ways that the destruction and the misery created um, around me kind of taught me a lesson before I myself fell too deep into something. And um, and for that, I'm really grateful. You know, I was, was kind of given a, a glimpse into many, many different lives and I, I'm just, I mean, I'm just lucky. I mean, I, you never know, but I'm very lucky at this one singular point. So you saw
0: whether it's friends or just people in the industry, you had enough foresight or whatever to acknowledge, I'm not going down this path. I'm not allowing myself to go any further down it. I'm I'm sort of like hindering or lingering in this like area, this gray area. And I've just got to take off now. I've got so much potential and I've got so much life to live. Is it sort of a conscious thought or something that took years for you to sort of understand?
2: Yeah, I know it, it, no, you're it's well, what it is, is like growing, growing up in Hollywood. I, that's why I brought up the book earlier. It was like a, lo- it was a love letter to a town that now, I mean, it feels totally different, but, and I knew at the time when I was photographing Hollywood, that it was a period piece. I knew that I had a responsibility as a, as a photographer, as an artist, as a, as in some ways I had a creative muse within me that allowed me to see the temporary nature of, of Hollywood. And at the time, you know, it, this was way before any of the, any accountability structures were, were put in place. Um, and I saw so many, so many failings in, um, in not only Hollywood, but just in it in, in growing up in california in general and and how like how that, how that shaped me was just being so close to it, like being able to feel, feel the heat radiating off of bad decisions mm. and um, being able to step back far enough that I saw the train wrecks, but I wasn't injured too badly from them.
0: Wow, Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. I think that's what happens to all of us. I remember being 13 years old. 13, I think I was 13 years old. I was in eighth grade. And I was really small for my age. And I remember I went over to this kid's house and other kids. I won't mention their names right now. Um, One's in prison. But uh, I remember they were huffing gas. They were just like, (sighs) I'm like. What the fuck are you guys doing? And they're huffing gas. Rosenbaum, get in here. Huff some gas. And I was like, no, I can't. I'm allergic to gas or whatever the fuck I said. I don't know. I got (laughs) it. And then I just remember there was, it was just these, at this age, I look back, how are they this fucked up? And there's Mm. all these, and by the way, uh, two of those kids ended up, you know, being, really big bullies and and a lot trouble with the law. One guy went to prison. I remember something inside of me and it wasn't that I had the best childhood because boy, I did not. But, uh, you know, people always have it worse. I mean, you just, you kind of move on. But I remember just leaving, cutting through yards and going, I don't belong here. This is wrong. Mm. Something no one had to tell me. Something inside of me said as a 13 year old boy, this is not right. And that was a gift. I don't know. It was a a gift from God or whatever you call it. But as a 13 year old kid, you're used to succumb to all the, you know, peer, the peer pressure and the, you know, people say, come on, Rosenbaum. Like, oh yeah, I guess I should do that because they're doing it. Mm. And I don't know why, but I just knew that I needed to get the fuck out of there. And maybe that's in a, in a way what happened to you when you're seeing all these things, you're like, you know what, this is, there has to be that moment, that enlightening moment, right?
2: Oh yeah, man. It's spirits. I mean, I like to look at it as like, it's a spirit's guidance. Like you, you have like an inner counselor and you can listen to it. It's a gut, I mean, gut instinct, you know, Gavin Becker wrote a really great book about the gift of fear. Um, <laughs> that's a crazy book. Um, but that we all have this gut instinct that kind of, um, protects us and, You know, even now it's, it's interesting as I'm older, I mean, you always want to, you always want to see the best in people. And sometimes you'll see something that's malevolent in front of you and you go, no, they can't, I can't do that to them. They don't mean it. And like, no, man, my gut usually is like, it'll, it'll be like, no dude, they mean it. It's, it's real. And so that I've always really trusted my gut instinct And it sounds like it was good that you did too, because um, <sighs> you have you have these um, split universes where there's, I mean, the multiverse theory is really astounding, but you have a split universe where you make a choice, and you're there's a version of you that's living in the other choice right now of choices that you've made, and there's no way to tell if you're good, if it's a good or bad choice. It's just, you know. You're you're always kind of zigzagging through that reality. So I always like to try and make sure that I'm making conscious decisions that are that in the long term I'll I won't re- I won't regret. But I also <laughs> yeah I'll understand why I made them.
0: You know. But there's always be, you know no matter how good you are yeah there's always the bad that's in, you in always
2: the- yeah you always fucking make some mistake for sure. Well,
0: not only that, I'm thinking. You know, you're doing the right thing a lot of times, and there's some dark thoughts along those ways where you could easily stray from the good and go bad. You're like, ah, you know what? Fucking, you know, fuck it. And there, it's not like it's all positive thinking during that mm-hmm. positive thought of, of of things that you're doing. I don't know if I'm making much sense here. And you're doing the right things, and you continue to do the right things. There's always that dark force that's always little things. Oh like- yeah,
2: man, it's just a concatenation of thoughts that. Yeah, I hear you, man. And that's and that's something that, you know, you constantly as a human being, it's like not talked about enough. And I think that's like that's kind of why there's a mental health issue that's that's rampant in in just our our whole society. And it's it spans through urban environment and rural environments because people are, you know, it's just what is the, the quote in Fight Club? Like, our great war is a spiritual war. Like, we, we have, uh, especially being, being a man right, right now in, in 2021, um, you know, it's something that I've, I want to be the best version of a human being and I want to keep getting better. And I want to learn from my mistakes. I want to, I want to actually not just say it in a false altruistic way on Instagram or be like, I want to be a better guy. Like I don't, I actually do like, I want to learn from the things that I did incorrectly. And if, if, if I'm the only judge of that, I want to be able to understand why I did certain things or said certain things or made certain decisions and then learn from them down the road. And a lot of that, you know, it lends itself to being a being a better person from for myself, not not really for anybody else.
0: Isn't that the truth? That's the, you yeah. just nailed it. Like we could sit here and try to make you know Ryan here, my engineer, and I want Ryan to think I'm a great guy, and you know, and I want people to look at me and go, oh, he really tries hard and he really loves everybody. But I'm a fuck up. I am a fuck up. I I need to. I need to believe all the things that some people are believing. And I need to make those thoughts become a reality. I need to work on myself but also knowing that not being too hard on myself like that that's important because we are going to fuck up you know look it always you always hear you have to love yourself first right it's like if you can't love anybody else so i you know i don't ask that question much but it's like some it looks like you love yourself because you've been working on yourself a lot and i think that's important yeah it's it's hard to
2: say that i took a lot of 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 figuring out like what what i was missing so i felt like i was missing things within myself. I, and I went on this like whole journey and I have a, I have a really great group of friends around me that I a very bespoke to self-betterment. And Jared is definitely one of those people as well. Like Jared is, is an incredibly open oh, yeah. um, source of, you know, you would think so. You would think someone like Jared would be, you know, he wouldn't get this part. He gets it, and he's so open, and he talks, and he's and he's like a loving man, which is yeah, very palpable and wonderful. Especially on set, working with him and being brothers, it was an immediate click. And I have great friends around me that that you know, like, hey, you should read Michael A. Singer's The Untethered Soul. Hey, you should re- re- read Gary Zukov's The Seat of the Soul. Hey, you should get into Sadhguru. Hey, you should start doing yoga. Hey, you should start like I have friends that are all about that, and I used to when I was younger I have friends that were like, "Here, have a drink, ah oh, man, you know, fuck all that, do this, like right. do this, escape this way," and it never helped. You know, it didn't help. It made it actually it it, it amplified the the resistance within me, and so, you know, just recently, um, especially being here in Austin, I've been able to really focus on not just self love, but just like understanding myself better and finding peace because dude, it's so easy to, to lose control, especially in today's world where you're just alone with yourself and you're being spoon fed constant chaos, you know, constant.
0: I, you know, what's funny is after this interview, I'm going to ask Suzanne your publicist who I've known for years. She was my publicist on Smallville. And okay. uh she's awesome for for working this out. But I'm gonna be like, get his email because I need to know what I need to read. I wanna get through I want <laughs> I wanna read the top shit. Don't look, you've read a lot of books. You're a reader. Uh <laughs> and dude, I'll, I
2: do you know what you should read, right? Like honestly, we should get off here is read James Nestor's um breath. It's it's called it's called Breath, uh the the New Science of a Lost Art. Amazing. Ray, and that's and the after first that, book
0: that's the first book you want me to read actually Kegan.
2: no no actually no it read read michael a singer's the untethered soul it'll the untethered soul and mind. it's an
0: easy read not too big words it's for a me super here.
2: easy read you could even get it on a uh, audiobook and just like zone out to it it's pretty meditative and then if you really like that you can read the surrender experiment that's another book that he did you writing
0: this down ryan the surrender experiment ryan's yep. gonna read this shit hey, ryan, like, we up, need man? help
2: here we need help <laughs> Hey, but when, here's the other thing, yeah. man. Like the other part of it too is, is you know, I wasn't ready for for any of this until I was. And it, 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 there are people telling me to, to read and do and work on myself for years and years and years. And, years, and I, didn't, I didn't want to. I tried and I didn't really want it. And like the moment that, and I'm, I'm not trying to speak from a place of ego. It's just like, it helps me now. I don't know if it will continue to help me. I'm going to keep trying to put in work. But, like, dude, it's so amazing when, when it clicks and you realize that you're, you're, so much, you're so much more than what you think you are without being anything at all. It's just a really great feeling. Wow. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. You know, I think I, the reason that we don't work on ourselves right away when people are like, you read this and do this, you're like, no, no, no. Because deep down in a weird way, at least for me, is like, I, 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 maybe I still believe this, but I don't believe that I'm fixable in a way, or I don't believe that it will work for me. My mind is different. It's this naivete that is just, it's just not real. It's like, come on. Even if you have a pre-existing condition, let's say you have some mental illness. They say that even if you have certain things, you can control 40%, 40 or 50%. I mean, it just depends on what what the issue is, but I, I just feel like you have to put the work in. It's just not going to happen. It's like somebody expecting to be a movie star. I'm just going to hang out by Starbucks and Spielberg's going to drive yeah, by. and He's no going to see me. It just doesn't fucking happen. It certainly doesn't happen to me. It doesn't happen to many people. So if you don't actually put the work in. Wh- wh- what's going to happen is nothing's going to happen is the answer. Nothing's
2: going to happen. And when you're saying that, you know what you said, you said something really interesting because I thought the same thing. Um, and I've gone through a huge amount of. Of uh, of introspection and in, in what you said is like I don't think I'm fixable or like all of anything like that man that that you should do some active self forgiveness and like forgive yourself for buying into the misbelief that you're not fixable and like go deeper into why you feel that way and then clear it and move on because you might be holding on to that and it's probably holding you back from a, a true version of yourself that you could easily arrive at if you if you stepped off of that plane of thinking that you were unfixable. If, wow. you just, if you just arrived at that. Also, dude, another thing that really helped me, and it's changed my life, Jared doesn't want to hear a fuck about <laughs> it, but it's really helpful, <laughs> is don't eat refined sugars and processed foods. Just do not consume them. And think of it, think of your body as a house. Like you wouldn't let just anybody into your house. So don't let just ingredients that you don't know of in your body. Like, like give me an example.
0: S- give me an example of some of these products.
2: Don't eat refined sugar, uh like cane sugar, read, you know, understand that there's more than What about stevia? For- Stevia's okay. There's a lot there's a, a jury's out on artificial <laughs> sweeteners, but um you know, I, I, there's one what is it called? Uh there's one that's like pretty good but it's a laxative and so you'll you'll you oh. need a diaper if you eat too much of yeah. it. But um What's that one? But I would just don't eat <laughs> Try and remove refined sugar from your diet. Okay, in at, at all costs. It, you can have honey. You can have propolis, um, like bee pollen, or, or like uh, royal jelly. If you need a sweet I, I eat thing fruit. to wean you off, fruit is good, but don't eat it. Into, like don't eat it after like a certain time. Like find out what you know, because it's a you know some some fruits are pretty high glycemic. Food. So if you eat like a banana at night, you're going to spike your blood sugar. Oh, great. But yeah, man, that'll help a lot with mood and anxiety. I've, I noticed I gave up sugar in 2017 um completely. And I was wow. a, a pre diabetic. I ate, I would be at, are you in LA? I'm in LA. Yeah. I would go to the Beverly Hills ATM, Sprinkles ATM, two in the morning and get four cupcakes and eat them on the curbside uh, sitting on my motorcycle. Like a crazy guy. Jesus.
0: Um, You know, let let me get into really quickly. (laughs) I want want to get into uh, Pretty Little Liars because that was your first big hit. That was like, that was the thing that kind of put you on the, on the radar. Right. You -hmm. know, how old were you when Pretty Little Liars started?
2: I was very young. I, I, I must have been. It was 2009 I got the call. I remember getting it, and I was so young. I had just skateboarded. I skateboarded to the audition. So you were 20? I was 20,
0: yeah. You skateboarded to the audition. Did you have a fear at all? Did you go in there and not give a shit?
2: You know, it was the first – so it's interesting. It was, like, the first – I had gone on so many auditions for so many different things, and I was doing background work on another, like, kind of teen show. And I remember talking to one of the, the actors on it and being like, dude, do you have any pointers? And, like, how to be an actor, like, a working actor, like, making money. Like, this doesn't seem realistic, like, because I was doing background work. You make, like, 60 bucks a day or something. Just enough to, like, buy yourself a couple meals before, you know. And um, he was just, like, he uh, he looked at me and he's, like, honestly, just don't give a fuck. <laughs> and I'm, like, that's really? <laughs> that's all it takes? That's the key. But what was interesting is I I cared so much about, I was going into acting classes and, I, I still care so much. It's interesting because I, as much as I, you, you're supposed to not, you're supposed to like release yourself from the, the end result of your work. You're supposed to be present in it. I went in for that audition and I was just, I just had so much fun. I remember having so much fun in that audition. And, um, you know, they tell you don't wear beanies. Don't cover your eyes. I went in with sunglasses and a beanie on. I did all the things you're not supposed to do.
0: there you go. That's the key. Did you, 11 years ago, was there Instagram?
2: We actually, our show is one of those. It was probably the show that kicked off the social media frenzy around live tweeting, around uh, just social media in general, where fans were essentially steering the show's uh, arcs, character progression. I was only supposed to be in six episodes. My character dies in the book series. Um, but fans at that time, social media had gotten, you know, was starting to get a fire under it. And fans were demanding that they didn't kill Tobias Kavanaugh, which was my character. And they were just like, do not kill him.
0: Well, what do it you tell went- the author? What do you tell the guy who writes the book? Say, so no, he
2: dies. Sarah Shepard wrote a book series and it was, it's this, uh, not to come back in full circle here, but her universe ran parallel until it didn't with Marlene King's. Version who she developed and was the showrunner of our of PLL, along with Oliver Goldstick, and they married the two in certain ways and then divorced them in other ways. And one of the divorce factors was my character living in the and having a, a very um strong relationship with one of the main characters that was just beautiful.
0: Were your parents blown away? I mean, are your parents the kind of parents that say Keegan? We're so proud of you. You're so good. Yes. You're so sweet. We love you. They're that
2: just adorable and painfully oh, supportive. That's beautiful. and I love them both. My father passed away in 2012. He got to see a glimpse of the, of the. I remember like, you know, he was an actor himself. He he, he came from you know Broadway and very thespian and, and you know he, he was in a star, he was in Star Trek and he would get fan mail all the time. Um, he played like a small role in Star Trek three. And he would get these crazy, amazing fan letters and he loved it. It was like the happiest that he was when he was answering fan mail for Star Trek. So when we were out one time, uh, because my my dad was, you know, my dad was going through some stuff, but we were out spending time together and someone came up to me from Iraq and they're like, we watch your show there. And he was just like, what the hell? across the world like that. That's amazing. And I was like, dude, that made me so happy. And it was like a couple of months before he passed away and he was able to like, see the the reality of how far reaching this, this audience was.
0: That is beautiful. And it actually puts a tear in my eye because I think about it's just, it's just so nice when a father could be just love his son so much and want to see him be successful and be so you know, just in awe of something like that, where you know, uh, it just for me especially, it just it just is it's a beautiful thing. Is he? I don't know. It was just uh, the, the relationship. I could just see it. Like when you were just talking about it, I I just envisioned it. I could see it, and yeah. just this this guy who just cares about you and was like, wow, up from the other side of the world. How does he? How do they recognize you from? Just to... and what that does is that creates this sort of feeling inside you i'm sure where it's just like it just feels good that your dad feels good about what you're doing and what you've like it, it just that's that's such a fulfilling feeling isn't yeah, it
2: it's is very special and i had a, I have a very close relationship with my parents um and my dad you know it's weird it's like when he passed away i mean it was so weird because You know, I, I, the one thing that we would do together is we'd fish together. We'd fly fish together, which is like in itself, another art and a craft that I still, I've been doing it for 31 years and I still (laughs) suck at it, dude. I like to imagine myself that I'm a master angler at this point. And then I go out on the, on the river and I'm like, I can't, I'm, what am I doing? Like, why can't I do this? My dad was a master angler. He was, he was so good. He fished for, you know, what, 70 years or something. And so we would go and spend time like that together. But after he died, like I still go fishing and I still almost feel like he's there. It's the weirdest. It's so strange. Um, he and is. it's comforting. I
0: believe that. I believe he is I know. there. It, I, it's a wonderful. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, it's a strange thing. It's the one thing that I still can't quite understand. I don't know if it's just my own imagination and, but I don't well, know. I, you know
0: what? Uh, my best friend was my grandfather who died a year and a half ago. And he, by far, he was my best friend. And, uh, I mean, I, I couldn't stop videotaping him from the time I was a kid. I just thought he was the funniest, awesomest guy in the world. And he always golfed and I never liked golf. He would take me and I just never. And during this pandemic for the first time, I said, fuck, well, golf's really the only thing I could do. So I would, uh, I'd go golf and you you know, you're with one guy and you're separated and you're socially, it's a sport that you can play. You got your own ball, you're touching your own balls. That didn't sound right. But you know, yeah. for me, I always feel like Irv's with me. And I feel like mm-hmm. there's some kind of awesome, it's just this feeling where I'm like, my grandfather always wanted me to golf. Fuck, why didn't I golf as much with him? And now I just feel like there's this, there's this essence. Like Irv, here I go. Could you help me out? Apparently not because I'm sucking up, but there is a nice feeling. I don't know, whatever it is. It's just uh, like you said, spirit, you said you're more spiritual and you know, it's who's to say what's out there.
2: Right. I mean, it's, yeah, especially during quarantine, I I really, I leaned into my fears. I was very afraid of the dark. I had a really irrational fear of the dark. Um, Actually, I was doing a podcast right before quarantine. And that's why I have this mic and the whole, you know, setup is, you know, it's wonderful to have for Zooms. Yeah. <laughs> but um, my podcast immediately became dated and strange because uh, I took a, I, I took a hiatus from my season one from po- my podcast. It was really great ratings, had millions of listeners. It was awesome. But then I realized that I, I was talking about aliens, I was talking about weird stuff, and I wanted to really gauge my audience into what I've learned that has made my life better. And one of the things was I was afraid of the dark and I was afraid of the forest. And I had a house in the forest that I was renovating for most of 2018. And over a quarantine, I moved into it and overcame my fear of the dark in the forest. And now I'm like, I just, I feel like a completely different person. And a lot of that had to do with breathing, oddly enough, and sleeping by yeah, that's why I said James Nestor's is a great. James Nestor wrote a really great book about breath, um, because I was having these hypnopompic and hypnagogic hallucinations when I was would wake up because I was breathing through my mouth because I wasn't practicing breathing through my nose when I went to bed. It's so weird. Anyway, but uh, I've gone through all these things, and I wish my father was around to see it. I know he is technically by like the spiritual realm and call me and all that stuff, but like there is some there is something to be said about like you know, or her, it's like, it would be so nice to just have one day now and be like, dude, look, look at this, look at this. You know, I think you'll have that one day. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I mean, people could laugh that and
0: they could scoff, but like, why is it so incredulous to think that maybe you will see somebody after these people who are such cynics who just talk, you know, it's, it, it, they're, they're just as bad as the extreme religious people. In my opinions, the people who just throw religion at you and you're going to die if you don't, they're just as worse as these. You could be atheist. I don't know if I believe the word atheist, but you could be whatever you want. I don't care what you are, but I, I don't like when um, they sort of scoff or make fun of people for believing that. You know, my father. I think is you know the the spirit of him is still is still with me. You know, and they can make fun. I just I just never understood that. And you know, whatever helps you get through life. And you know, the biggest joke would be when when you finally pass or go to the next realm. It'd be like ah see look there's dad right there you fuckers you know you nobody knows you don't know what's 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 after you know life after death. you don't know what nobody knows anything i mean now all of a sudden it's like the government has these things with the the aliens and ufos and there's a they come on it's just a matter of time we're gonna probably see aliens within the next two years they'd probably know they've known they've known these fucking aliens have been here for years trust me
2: i know does anybody go on clubhouse anymore (laughs) <laughs> for sure, there's some crazy stuff.
0: So, is your podcast available again now?
2: I'm working on it. You know, I'm I'm vamping it. It's called Foreverland Podcast. Foreverland. Foreverland so, you guys listen,
0: look for that once he's ready to bring that back. This is called Shit Talking with Keegan Allen. This is Rapid Fire. So, just really quick. Emily asks. These are my patrons out there. They get to ask some questions. Emily asks, Have you been doing? Uh, what have you been doing to stay sane during the pandemic?
2: Yoga, meditation. I almost slammed myself in the face. <laughs> during that. Painting. Painting.
0: Nico, what's the best way uh, you found to deal with stress?
2: Meditation. <laughs> Painting. <laughs> and play. Yoga. And honestly, too, I would say meditation and playing very calming video games. Uh, Leanne P., who are some of your personal heroes? Oh, man, my mom, my dad, my uncle, my aunt, my best friend, Brett, my best friend, Ryan, my best friend, Brock. Wow, um, uh, Jared. Jared's amazing. Jen, Genevieve Padalecki. They're just all really great. My manager Conrad.
0: Look at that. Says, you have good like, people a lot around of
2: people. you. Sad Guru. He's great. Sophie, Mark Hyman. Sorry, I could keep going. <laughs> it's like
0: your Oscar awards. Uh, one more. Uh, if I'm forgetting anybody, <laughs> uh, Sophie M. I'm going to just simplify this question. Did you audition for Walker? Or did you get asked to audition, or did you just get an offer?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I auditioned and uh, I am so happy that I got to meet Anna Fricky in the room. She's the showrunner of Walker and get to meet Lindsay and and be able to do like probably one of the last network tests before this pandemic. I mean, I'm a theatrical guy. So I just man, I loved the process. Not a lot. Not a lot of actors love that process. I loved that process was such a passion dude i had so much fun it was crazy
0: that's great because it's also important like you know you guys out there you think you know sometimes actors get offers i've had offers where it's it, it's it's better when you can audition and you know what they like and you got the audition you got the part because you know what they want and you go to set and you know when you get an offer you go to set and you're like i hope they like what i'm preparing here and if not mm. you've got to make a complete 180 or whatever, so yeah, yeah. it's kind of frightening. And I I, I lost a job because it was just like oh I was doing something that they just weren't you know it's because I didn't audition. It was a straight offer, and uh you know that was tough. So uh Olga C, name one movie you'll never watch again. Oh God, that's too oh. hard, isn't it? I can name fifty just off shutter. You know honestly, I can week. I tell
2: you something really <laughs> spooky? I I got you know I. Along with, you know, doing all the self-help stuff, I get into deep YouTube video pits. And just the worst, like, I used to think that there were movies that would never shock me. There's like a whole list of movies that um, are online that even just researching them just turn your stomach. So just, I would say, I would say honestly, a movie that I would never watch again is Cats,
0: the musical. I didn't see it. (laughs) Don't. You know this has been fantastic i i didn't know you and 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 yet and now i want to know you more like this is just we
2: should we should do another we should do another podcast and get into more stuff
0: i'm not kidding because this is just the beginning it feels like okay i need to do some reading i need to do some work on myself and then i need to talk to keegan again
2: (laughs) you know what i mean no man, I I I enjoyed it man. I honestly appreciate you and I have such a reverence for your journey that you've been through and um god man, I mean your Smallville is a total interesting. I mean, talk about picking apart not only just Warner Brothers making that show in general and like how crazy ahead of its time it was, but also just the how each actor has what, what it meant to each actor and what it did to each actor. It's such an interesting uh, show.
0: It took sure. my life into a completely different direction. I was mostly playing, you know, I was doing some comedic performances and um, I, I think I just at the same time did Sorority Boys and like, you know, some, uh, you know, I, I think I did S- Sweet November was right before that. So I was, I was doing some drama too. I did Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. But when I really got Smallville, that jumped me into like, oh, serious actor guy. And my friends would make fun of me. They're like, You? You're Lex Luthor? Dude, you're such a goof. How are you? I'm like, because you can't be, if I was, oh, a serious guy, that that character probably would have been the death of me. I have to once that they say cut, I'm laughing, farting, doing whatever to get out of that character. And it took time for like people like John Glover, Tony Award winner, who was my father, who's just amazing, to understand him. One day he goes, I know what you're doing now. I go, What am I doing? He goes, you're being Michael so you can then be Lex and you're being Michael to annoy me off camera because Lex annoys Lionel. And he has this whole theory about this thing. And I'm like, I don't know. I think you're thinking too hard. I just
2: don't like to be Lex when I'm not Lex.
0: But look, when, when can we, when do we watch Walker? It's on CW. What nights?
2: It's on CW and it streams on CW the next day, but I believe it's a Thursdays at eight, seven central. Um, on the CW, but after season one finale, it goes to HBO max, which is really cool. I could be saying all this wrong, but I mean, just, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it, man. It's a really cool show. And, um, it's a real departure from what people thought it was going to be. And I think the more that it's the more that people dive deeper into the, to the, to the root of this story, the more it hits home with, with a really grounded and painful, a story about loss and dealing with loss, which, you know, is just ever present in Jared's character, ever present in the Walker family, ever present in, in all of the arms that reach out from all of the different character storylines and plot points. And it it's, it's truly a remarkable show to work on and, uh, and a dream job for sure.
0: And weren't the ratings like for the pr- premiere episode, like just just unbelievable.
2: I heard that they did that we did really well and I was so happy to hear it because, um, obviously like I want, I want to keep working on this. I want to keep this, ca- I want to get to know Liam better, but I also am so excited that people are enjoying the story and seeing it from, from so many different perspectives and, and, and holding on to, different, I mean, everything about it is just so fun to work on, man. I am like such a fan of the show. I watch it, but it's just so not That's like awesome. me. I mean, I'm just now starting to rewatch some like there's been a resurgence of pretty little liars stuff, um, you know, where you could stream it. And I've been kind of rewatching it and being like, oh, my God, I don't remember any of this. I don't remember anything about this. So it's been fun to, to, you know, kind of sort of dip my toe into that. But I watch Walker and I'm I'm a fan of the show as well as a awesome as an actor on it.
0: Well, hey, guys, check out Walker. It's Thursday night's on the CW. And, uh, I mean, look, this guy's Keegan, this has been a real treat again. You know, sometimes you you don't know your guests, you don't know where things are going and you're like, Oh, okay. But then I just immediately was like, wait a minute, this guy's really interesting. He's got a a story and I love the relationship with your parents and, and the love they gave you and that you did go through a lot of shit that you were raised in Hollywood. You turned out to be a great guy and uh you've done the work and you're still doing the work and um i can i I really appreciate you sharing your story with us thanks man you're a mensch i appreciate you too you too um thanks for allowing me to be inside of you and uh, we'll talk again (laughs) thanks (laughs) i was waiting for that Uh, Another good conversation with uh, someone I I didn't know. And I always like that meeting someone for the first time and then getting to know them in the, in the brief time that we have together. So thank you, Keegan Allen. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe. Um, You can subscribe on YouTube and um, Apple stitcher, Spotify, all that Write a review. Um, And our handles are at inside of you pod on the Twitter at inside of you podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, I really appreciate your support. Go to the Inside You e store if you want the, the new uh, merch, code SUMMERROSY10, and a uh, bunch of great stuff. And then also, if you can go to sunspin.com if you want any um, sunspin stuff, it's uh, sunspin summer 10 for 10% off. So I'll start out with this, this lovely letter from Paul. Hey, my name's Paul. I'm a huge fan of yours. And of course, Smallville, now your podcast. I'm 42 years old, uh, a former Marine, and that's where I want to thank you. I served in the Marines for three and a half years, been in Iraq, Afghanistan, where I blew out my knee and had to leave service. I have PTSD and had to learn how to cope with it. But I started listening to your podcast in the beginning of the year, listening to all the movie stars, et cetera, having mental health issues, stress, and anxiety, and how you go through this as well help me out. Um, it relaxes me to listen to how your guests deal with it. I like how you tell your how your life goes, and all those stories. I could tell you that you do help people with your podcast and that you are a very funny and good person. Please keep doing it. Thank you. Really, you might have saved a life or two. A fan named Paul. Well, Paul, that means the world to me, and uh, that's why I wanted to read your letter. Um, You know, I do what I can. I, I I didn't think... I was doing anything with this podcast other than just talking to people. And it wasn't until I started getting letters and comments or people came up to me at conventions that I started realizing, wait a minute, the podcast is helping these people. Well, why is this? Why am I? How am I helping anybody? And I think just, you know, trying to be honest and trying to, you know, get things out of my guests that help all of us. Maybe it's selfish. Maybe I just try to get something from the guests for myself and and in return, it actually goes to everybody out there. Um, but I'm glad it helps you. And uh I'll I'll keep doing it as long as I can. And uh thank you, Paul. Thank you for the letter. Uh if you want to join Patreon, join the wonderful family, the community that keeps uh getting bigger and more loving. And uh you won't really you don't really know what it's about until you join. So I, I recommend it. I'll shoot you a message when you join. Just go to patreon.com slash inside you p-a-t-r-e-o-n i love all my patrons. And right now I'm going to read their names. So here we go. All right. Nancy D, Mary B, Leah S, trisha F, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico P, Robin S, Jerry W, Robert B, Jason W, apatheon Kristen K, not to be confused with Kristen Crook. Amelia O, Allison L, Lucas M, Mirage C, Joshua D, Emily S, CJP, Samantha M, Jennifer N, Jackie P, Stacy L, Carly H, Carly S, Jen S, Jamal F, Janelle B, Tabitha 272, not to be confused with. Kristen Crook. Ashley. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> I think Tabitha 272 just sticks around because she likes to hear that. Oh, All um, right,
1: Tabitha 273. Then. I think so. All right, we'll just Ashley- <laughs> feed,
0: We'll feed that. <laughs> we'll just feed it every month. Ashley, Ryan, Kimberly E, Mike E, Eldon Supremo, 99 more, Ramirez, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Liam P, Ray A, Maya P, Maddie S, Kendrick F, Ashley E, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda N, Kevin V, James R, Chris H, Dave H, Samantha S, Spider-Man Shay, Sheila G, Ray H, Tabitha T, Tom N, Suzanne B, Liliana A, Michelle K, Marcus B W, Marcus W, Hannah B, Michael B, Talia M, Michael S, Andrew T, Betsy D, Claire M, Liz J, Laura L, Chad L, Rochelle. Nathan E, Taylor K, Marion S, Meg K, Janelle P, Trav L, Dan N, Diane R, Ah Lorraine G, Corey M, Veronica K, Big Stevie W, Kendall T, Carol D, Sandy B, Angel M, er- Eric C, Rhiannon C, Stephen M, Corey K, Super Sam, Emily C, Sherry S, Coleman G, David C, Michelle A, Matt W, Liz L, Jeremy C, Andy T, Cody R, and Chris E. Those are the lovely patrons. You could join Patreon, Patreon. Dot com slash inside of you. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and please continue listening. I'm going to put on my smaller glasses now so I don't look completely crazy. But uh, I wonder if like ever after we're done film, recording a podcast, maybe not today, but like right when we're done recording it, while things are converting, we just go up the street a little 10 minute there and back. Hmm. Take a walk.
1: Interesting. Maybe we'll do it. You do live in the Hollywood Hills of California.
0: Yes. Michael Roseman. I'm here from the Hollywood Hills in California. <laughs>
1: And Ryan Taylor's from the Hollywood Hills, California.
0: Give a little wave to the camera. Uh, thank you for for joining me again. I love doing this. And uh, thank you for allowing me to be inside of each and every one of you. I hope you have a glorious week. Be healthy. Do something good for yourself. Try to love yourself a little bit. I'm I'm trying, trying to do that. And uh, all right. I think that's it.